0: Thanks for listening. This is Brian Hurley from Business Performance Improvement. The podcast, Lean Six Sigma Bursts, are short lessons, comments, Q&A, and insights. If you have a question, send your question through the Anchor app, and we might feature you on a future episode. Or contact me at biz-pi.com. In this episode, I share the audio from a panel discussion I was asked to participate on on Wednesday this week. The discussion was focused on lean manufacturing, but we also discussed Six Sigma quite a bit. The event was hosted by the Texas chapter of the Women in Manufacturing Association. They are the only national and global trade association dedicated to providing year round support to women who have chosen a career in the manufacturing industry. I'm sharing only the segments when I talked, but I encourage you to listen or watch the entire hour long discussion. The other panelists were Crystal Davis, Dave Chrysler, Regine Griffin, Sneha Kumari, and Troy Weir. I have a link to the association and the recording in the show notes. Thanks. What is, and actually this is a very good question. I'm glad that it is the first question because I will be honest. I don't know the difference. What is the difference between fixed sigma and lean manufacturing? And I'm going to throw that one to Brian. Okay. Um, Yeah, this is a a common question I get asked, especially for people going through classes. They're very confused about maybe the terms, maybe um, they've just got a little bit of exposure. Some have never heard of it. So um, brief history is lean is simple way would be to look at it from the uh, studying and research done in Japan specifically by people studying Toyota who've been very open with how they do their operations. And in trying to codify that and document what they're doing into something tangible that others could use. So by the late uh, late 80s, early 90s, that started to be documented and shared with the world. And then people were kind of replicating and, and implementing a lot of these practices. They learned about Lean from early days of Henry Ford and some of the work done during World War II and brought that into their own organization to better manufacture vehicles and took those concepts and built them with focus on quality and a focus on engaging people and challenging their people to continuously get better by setting the bar higher and higher and not necessarily telling them how to do it, but giving them the power to do that. So capturing all those learnings and how they experiment at all is kind of been put together as the lean approach, all with the goal of improving performance for the business and for the customers, but in a way that's geared around, like, respect for people and constantly improving. Six Sigma had a similar kind of history. If you go back and look at the core tools of Six Sigma, you see a lot of the stuff done in the early 1940s, 1950s, doing analysis of data to try and understand how to get better efficiencies and quality improvements. And that helped ramp up the wartime effort and help the U.S. completely outmanufacture any other company or any other country. And then um, a lot of those things were carried on and adopted and used. But there's so many improvement tools that it was a little overwhelming. And Motorola was getting challenged by these Japanese companies that were now adopting these improvement principles and they had to respond with a quality initiative and they developed something called Six Sigma, which was trying to package these into um, structured approach of using these tools. So instead of saying, here's 100 improvement tools, good luck, they said, why don't we have a structure of DMAIC or MAIC to use the right tools in the right phases And more scientifically, go through and solve problems um, with a focus on learning statistics and a lot more data analysis. And so those two methodologies kind of became more aware to everyone around late 80s, early 90s, and they started to propagate into different companies. And then by about 2000, you see that a lot of people were saying these are similar; they have their own uniquenesses, but they're uh, so much similarity there, let's figure out how we can merge them and put them together. So when I was working at Rockwell Collins with Troy and Angela, part of my role was trying to figure out how do we blend these together? Because we have two different groups doing stuff and that's not very uh, efficient to do it that way. So trying to figure out, there are some common things we can blend in. How do we take the best of each and put that into a Lean Six Sigma type of approach? And then it's just kind of always looking for new tools and new methods out there and bringing in Agile and Kata. And it's just kind of expanding it as people learn better methods for improving. Interesting. I love how you were saying that um, you made a statement about how it had the similarities and people were using it in two different places and it wasn't very efficient. And like I saw like four heads go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next question question. How does lean work in the office? Because they always talk about production and, you know, I don't work on the production floor. And it's like, that's all fine and dandy for the people on the production floor. But what about the rest of us? When you're looking at your office processes and you are in a manufacturing environment, or you have a products and services that make the money, is the office cannot get away of that and I see a lot of the times the processes put the burden on the production team and the people adding value the frontline workers making them do stuff to make the office processes optimized or easier and it's a classic case of sub-optimizing a department's work and losing sight of the big goal of the organization and so I see where we'll use HR as an example just to pick on them, but They'll say, you have to do it this certain way so that we can process all these very efficiently. But they're pushing the waste onto the employees and the managers. And they're supposed to be focused on delivering the products and services that make the money. And so sometimes I see the offices, office processes come in and create waste for the value added people in the organization. And that's going against what we want. So they need to actually take that work. Off of them, even if it means doing their work inefficiently, if as long as it helps the frontline workers do their job easier and simpler and better, that's to be the goal. So they can improve their processes as long as they're not disrupting the core value streams in the organization. Brian, do you find do you see that often? Is that pretty common? That's where Ouch. we get the bottlenecks and the suboptimization. Is everyone's trying to do their own. Thing processes to make it easy for them. And, and the way to do that is to make everybody else do it and give it to you in a format that's perfect for you. But that adds a lot of waste and burden onto those other processes. And a lot of them don't really have the time to do that or are not supposed to be doing that kind of work. So I see that, yeah, a lot that um, everyone's trying to do their own thing as fast as they can. And that, that doesn't work when you're trying to optimize a system or a value stream. And so we have to always look at it from the value stream perspective, like Troy talked about, and make sure we are focused on what is the value to our customers. And it's not, you know, processing HR documents quickly. The customers don't care about that. They care about getting their products and services quickly. I've seen that black belt and all, all you know, all other belts. How long does it take to become a black belt? So my Six Sigma journey was a little different. I took statistics in, in college, so that gave me a really good head start on a lot of the black belt stuff that's covered. Um, so it takes a couple of years probably to get perfect at that level of practice at a black belt. Um, and that's usually what the certifications mean is you've, you've met the minimum requirement to get started um, with some a little bit of experience. So I think a lot of people will look at the belt levels which we'll talk about probably a little bit later. Um, but on the lean side they don't really have the strong emphasis on the certification. It's really about practice. And just like everything, it's that's where you're gonna learn the most. So get a little bit of exposure, learn some of the tools and the terms and stuff, but have a have a lean towards getting in and practicing and doing something, even if it's just in your area or small process you run. We talked about doing some stuff at home too. Uh, that's where you'll get to pr- try out things and learn in a safe environment, and then you can start to bring it to your team or a larger process. Lean6sigma definition.com has a list of glossary items about popular process improvement terms, along with the history of Lean and Six Sigma methods, and key influencers like Dr. Edward Stemming, Henry Ford, Taiichi Ono, Shigeo Shingo, and many more. You can also learn how to access affordable Lean and Six Sigma training and certification. Visit LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com.